Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free any Anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Over the Monster podcast. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my friend, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, how are you, my friend? Doing great here on this rainy Sunday. Oh, it's raining where you are, huh? It is. It is beautiful out this way. Uh, I am in Massachusetts. Keaton, are you in Chicago right now? Sure am. Nice. Okay, the windy city is apparently the rainy city right now. Um, on today's episode, we have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, we don't have any listener questions because we actually didn't ask you guys for any. Um, we had <laughs> a ton of stuff to talk about, so we're going to just get to all these items. And then uh, once the season starts, we will we will solicit listen, listener questions again. Um, there's kind of too much for us to run down in the rundown here, but basically... There's a lot of news and notes that are going on <clears throat> in regards to this season getting started. So we're going to talk about some signings, some luxury tax implications, um, player pool stuff, uh, all sorts of good stuff. But I think we're going to kick it off today uh, by talking about the Red Sox signing of Zach Godley. 
a pitcher who looks to be able to slot right into the Red Sox rotation. Uh, Keaton, what are the details on the Godley signing? And then what are your impressions on the Zach Godley signing? Do you like it? Do you think it was necessary? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'll start off with I think it was necessary because they really didn't have many people who could go multiple innings. Like, I mean, beyond two. I mean, there's they had few re- <clears throat> excuse me, few relievers who could go two innings or more or two wings or less, but they don't really have anybody to fill in behind um, Erod and Evaldi, and with Erod probably not being ready for opening day, not really sure when he would be ready, they needed somebody else to eat innings, and at this point, out on the free agent market, this is just kind of what was there. So, <clears throat> it was certainly necessary. Um, and that basically is just going to be his role, is just pitch as many innings as he can, because uh, when he does pitch, he's not terribly effective. Uh, it's kind of been declining over the past couple of years. Um, his strikeout per nine dropped three last season. Uh, he's consistently had walk rates over four, which isn't great. Uh, his main issue stems from just he he's like lost the ability to locate his sinker. Um, so his home run for five per fly ball rate is double digits, which is just really not good. But um, We'll give some props to Red Sox stats, who put out a little graph of the last season of where he was ranking his or where he was locating his fastball, <clears throat> and it's like middle of the strike zone. It's just crept up over the past three seasons, which has led to a lot of issues of him just getting rocked. Uh, his curveball is a pretty decent pitch, though. Um, it's just tough to survive on on one pitch here in the major leagues, which is not great. So. <clears throat> He does have, um, I mean, since he was just recently signed, it's a bit of a short runway to the season, but he should be added to the 40-man roster in time to be part of the the rotation for the opening day. Um, Not sure where he would end up slotting in, but if he's not in the majors, he does have an opt-out after the first week of the season. Um, So the end of July, he can opt out if the Red Sox don't have him in the majors at that point. So he basically has like two weeks to get ramped up and be added to the 40-man. Otherwise, um, he can choose to go elsewhere as a free agent and maybe get picked up somewhere else. But but given the state of the Red Sox pitching, I'm going to fully expect that to be declined. And he'll be on the Major League roster by then in some capacity. Yeah, the projections aren't particularly rosy for him. The ATC, which compiles um, a bunch of different projection systems, has him for a 494 ERA uh, this year, Um, albeit they only projected him for 13 innings pitched, so I don't know how reliable that is, Um, but you're right. I mean, he hasn't been very good since 2017. Um, I do have some interest in that curveball um, just because, like you mentioned, it has been a good pitch, and he has been throwing that more and more as the years have gone on. He throws it significantly more than he even throws his fastball right now. If the Red Sox can get him to maybe throw a different fastball or a fastball that's more effective than what he's throwing right now. I think it could be interesting. Maybe they have him start working up in the zone a little bit more with more of a high fastball. I know that that has worked at times for Brian Johnson, who has a similarly underwhelming fastball velocity. Um, So it it could be interesting if the Red Sox um, coaches in an analytics department think that they can make some tweaks to what's clearly his weakest pitch 
in his fastball and one that he clearly is not in love with anymore either. The rotation needed somebody and that's who was there. Um, I think he has, it's kind of feels a bit like Martin Perez where his recent stats are not that impressive. Um, but he has a pitch or two that shows potential in the Red Sox major league, uh, Pitching staff is actually, like you pointed out, um, has been pretty effective at helping guys learn a new pitch or kind of, uh, I don't know what you round out their arsenal, I guess. Tailor yeah, them a bit. omit bad pitches. I think they're pretty good at that, too. Yeah. So he, his curveball shows flash. I mean, the walks, I think, are still definitely an issue, but um, he has a bit of potential. He was uh, a pretty hyped-up young arm just like maybe three years ago. Um, so he has kind of that prospect pedigree, even though it's you know a few years later. But um, there was reason for him to be hyped up before, and maybe they see that and a path to hyping him up again. So it seems like another reclamation project. I'm not – I guess I wouldn't say I'm confident in it, same as Perez, but – if both those guys work out, then, I mean, that completely transforms the entire look of this um, pitching staff, which right now doesn't look great. So, I mean, it's I f- it feels like a low-risk, high-reward kind of move, particularly in a season like this. Yeah, there's no downside to it at all. Um, it's, it's not going to cost them much at all. It's not really... There's really no risk here uh, whatsoever. So, I, I like the move um, because why not at this point? We do have some more things to discuss. Um, Darwinson Hernandez, Eddie Rodriguez, and Josh Taylor are all cleared um, from uh, COVID diagnosis. Um, Darwinson Hernandez and Eddie Rodriguez have reported to camp. Josh Taylor has not, but he's expected to soon. Um, And none of those three players, though, are likely to be on the opening day roster just because they simply haven't gotten enough time. So you're likely to start on the opening day IL before they are cleared up to uh, to play. Um, also, in a bit of news, old friend Daniel Bard uh, has made the Rockies, which is pretty damn cool. He hasn't appeared in a game since 2013. Um, when Matt and I were on here, I don't know, April, May, early May, something like that, we ranked the 10 best uh, pitcher development uh, kind of successes that the Red Sox have had in the John Henry era. And we both named Bard as one of those top 10 guys on that list. Um, I think Matt had him like five. I had him lower down than that. But Bard used to be really good. This is a super cool story. Yeah, it is. It's really awesome. And hope that he gets into as many games as possible this year and has some great success. It's an awesome story. Yeah, um, tough place to land, <laughs> pitching yeah, in court. Yeah, uh, but you know, uh, I think he'll take it. And and power pitchers have traditionally done better um, yeah. pitching in cores. I don't know if Bart is really going to be a power pitcher anymore because he's seven years older than he was when he was a power pitcher. Um, yeah. But nonetheless, it's just amazing that a guy, you know, can can do that after all this time it's really cool yeah all right so we have some luxury tax implications to announce and um 
Alex Spear, who's been kind of Johnny on the spot for all of these uh, luxury tax uh, threshold items this past off season, has given us some clarity. Uh, previously, it was thought that this season would have to play out to its conclusion in order for the Red Sox to reset the luxury tax, which was a big consideration when they made the trade for Mookie Betts. Um, however, uh, he just recently said in an article, in order for the team's luxury tax rates to reset for the 2021 season, something that would remove one disincentive to pursue freeing agents, free agents in the offseason and spending beyond next year's 2021 luxury tax threshold of $210 million, the season must be played beyond the August 31st trade deadline. So it's not until the end of the season, it's to the end of the August 31st trade deadline. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I know that Matt has written on the site about how it doesn't matter, and I think you talked about that with Matt on here as well, because owners missing all this revenue might not sign anybody. But I do think that even if it stands to be like a marginal benefit for them to reset now, I would still be happier if they reset than if they didn't. Yeah, I mean, I just don't... With this offseason coming up and the owners basically crying poor and they've been under a concerted effort here the past few years, I guess, Garrett Cole notwithstanding, um, to try and lower salaries, it's just more incentive that this offseason they just don't expect anyone to spend any money, really much of anything to happen in terms of signing. So I don't think it matters for the Red Sox perspective if they reset now or reset in a year. I think 2022 offseason was always going to be when they have the opportunity to spend. Again, still questions on whether they will or not. But um, there's ways that they can fill out the rotation like we've seen with the additions of Perez uh, and now Godley with some like um, moonshot chances here with guys that are going to eat innings. And that's their biggest need. Even So with the conclusion of the season going into next season, they're still going to need pitching. And whether the luxury tax resets or not, there's still going to be ways they can add guys that can eat innings. So, I, I mean, I, I would like to think that if it resets and they still believe that, you know, they're that three to five year window that John Henry was talking about and competing, then if they had an opportunity to sign someone that they would, I just don't think it's league-wide. It's just not going to happen, so I don't think it's much. I guess it makes it feel a little bit more comfortable if they reset sooner than later. Uh, but I think it's always been kind of eyes on 2022. Yeah, I agree uh, for, the, for the most part with that. I just still, thinking about the pipe dream, in which they make a play for Mookie Betts in the off season. <laughs> uh, you know, I think resetting would make that more tenable. Um, and I just can't help but thinking about the fact that like the team could do something like recognize maybe that they you know made a mistake here, and I think that. Um, John Henry and them from their actions after trading away Mookie Betts and sort of their reaction to the public's reaction to trading away Mookie, I think they were more shocked <laughs> than we expected them to be. So maybe I just keep having in the back of my head 
maybe they'll make an offer for Mookie if they reset and fix the issue and move forward with Mookie and Verdugo and and Benintendi and then like the whole band will be back together and if JBJ walks in that scenario and you have like either Mookie or Verdugo playing center field uh man that would be such a good team an amazing team be so I good. mean the top tier free agents I would expect are only going to sign a one year deal because I don't think like I like I said I don't think that people are going to spend and plus that will bridge the last year to the new CBA. And then I think guys like Mookie top tier guys would sign a, a long-term contract under whatever the new terms of the CBA would be. So I, I guess I could see him coming back to the Red Sox on a one year deal like that, but it, I'm just, it's not going to happen, man. It's probably not. Gonna I know happen. it's your dream, but, but yeah. It's probably not going to happen, but you know what? Maybe, what if, you know, in this market where we don't think that there's any chance that he gets what he was going to get uh, beforehand, you know, he, he could, if he just, let's just play devil's advocate here. Let's say he decides that he's going to not do one of those one-year cushion deals and he decides he wants to sign a long-term deal. Like, the most he might get on this market right now is maybe 250, 200 million bucks because of yeah. everybody's spending projected to be down. What if the Red Sox just came up and they were like, hey, that 300 million deal that we uh, put on the table before, it's back on the table, bud. Like, wouldn't he maybe take that? Maybe. You probably have to think about it. I guess it would, um, you know, we're talking what, 18 months out, if there's any information that we have on what the players are looking for in a new CBA, and if it looks like that will be more beneficial um, to wait than to sign, um, maybe, I guess. I just, a- I just, I'd be surprised if he signs a long-term deal with owners not really with the ex- expectation that owners aren't going to spend because they claim they don't have enough money and one year to go into the CBA. I just think like the top tier guys, Mookie and the rest would wait a year. See, I don't know if that's true. And, and the big reason why is exactly what you said though, is that CBA running out. So Mookie is what is Mookie 27 right now. I believe he's 27. And so if he plays out this year at age 27, at the end of next year, he'll be headed into his age 28 season. So, I mean, teams definitely prefer to sign a guy getting his age 28, 29 forward seasons than they would signing a guy after his age 28 season. If Mookie Betts signs a cushion deal and then the league locks out for... 2022 which we have discussed on this podcast many times as a real possibility because the cba is gone if he doesn't have a long-term deal by then all of a sudden they lock out for 2022 he's trying to find a long-term deal at his age which would be going into his age 30 season at that point that's a scary proposition for a guy who teams have already expressed a little bit of like uh skepticism because of his size and physical stature about how he would perform long term 
So it might be very well in his best interest with the uncertainty in the landscape to sign a deal this year at his current age. Yeah, I certainly could be. I just think, I think right now it's hard to predict it because we've basically still been working through all of this COVID stuff. Right. And what this potential offseason could look like from like a money perspective. But I think, I guess we won't really know until we get there, but that's just my guess Yeah, is that he'd rather sign a long-term jail under whatever the new CBA would be after. I mean, it, it would obviously make a huge difference if like, he was having another MVP, in the middle of another MVP season right now. Mm-hmm. It kind of like completely changes the conversation. And even if he does really well under 60 games, like we've seen guys have good 60-game stresses and then really bad 100-game stretches. So I, I feel like not a lot is going to be learned from this short season, and it would kind of like be a completely different conversation if he was having a great season right now and like under normal circumstances. Yeah, but I'm definitely not. Definitely hurts Mookie more than most players in baseball. The 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 thing that we're going through right now. All right, let's get to some uh, draft signings. Um, all of the Red Sox four draft picks have signed with the team. Uh, we knew that Nick York had signed previously for. Uh, $2.7 million. Um, Blaze Jordan also inked a contract for $1.75 million. Jeremy Wu Yelland, $200,000. And Shane Drowen, $600,000. Um, everybody signed. That was predicted. Uh, nothing to see there, really. All right, but we do have a bunch of guys who were named to the 60-man roster, uh, particularly the, uh, I should say, the player pool, not the roster. Um and seven important prospects to the Red Sox. Well, seven prospects. Some important, some not. Um, <laughs> Jeter Downs. Uh, Jaron Duran. Two guys who we expected to be added. Josh Ockamy, uh, who I was a little surprised was added. Johnny Pareda, catcher. Um, can never have enough catchers, so that makes sense. Jay Groom, guy who only has 70 professional innings, so that's very necessary. Tanner Houck, who we thought would be there. And Brian Mata, who we thought would be there. Um, two other guys uh, were also sent to that 60-man pool. Um, guys who have major league experience in Bobby Pointer and RJ Alvarez, both relievers, a lefty and a righty. And then uh, optioned from big league camp uh, to the Pawtucket site where Mike Schwarin, Domingo Tapia, Caleb Simpson, uh, Mike Kickham, and Connor Wonk. Any thoughts on these moves and in, in this grouping, uh, in particular, probably the interesting prospects here? Yeah, most of the prospects aren't really surprised. Johnny Pareto, I actually was surprised because they have three catchers there already uh, at the major league level, plus Connor Wong. Um, so that one, I think, was a bit of a surprise. Downs, no. Duran, no. We talked about, I think, um, the, the one, the pod, like a month ago where all three of us were on. Like we kind of talked about who we expected to fill it, and it was really kind of all these guys. So I don't think there was really any surprises there um, so far with who was added to the pool and who was sent to um, taxi squad in Pawtucket. Nothing really jumps out. Yeah, it's not shocking. Uh, I think um, one of the things I was a little surprised about was no Tristan Casas up to develop. 
um, with these guys. And I think that one of the things that we could see pretty early on um, within like the first two weeks of the season, once they do their first rounds of, of cut downs on the 30-man roster, um, depending on how some of these pitchers end up working out, I think there are about, I don't know, uh, 15 players on this 60-man pool who, if the Red Sox were to cut ties with and wave, um, that they wouldn't really think twice about it. So I think that we still could see some movement in terms of top prospects that the Red Sox want to continue to develop uh, in the 60-man player pool get added just a little bit later. And I expect that Tristan Casas, not before long, will be with this group kind of working out and getting some development time. Yeah, I would agree with that. I guess I had overlooked that. That's the, the one surprise. Yeah, and and I, I mean, so Casas is obviously the number one prospect in the system. Jeter Downs is two. Brian Mott is three. Noah Song obviously isn't there because he's at flight school. Uh, Bobby Dahlbeck is there. Um, Gilberto Jimenez and Thad Ward kind of stick out as the other two guys who I thought had a chance um, to be to be there, and I'm I'm a little surprised that they are not. Um, I also wouldn't be surprised to see Gilberto and Thad Ward added to that mix at some point during the year. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of guys like that. Like I mean, like we talked about on previous pods, that you really could kind of recycle any combo of uh, who was added to the back end of this roster. And I just didn't think that there was... I mean, Cassis is really the only only surprise, but like any other possible combination of who they wanted to get the most work this off season, there was just there was just a bunch of guys that are all kind of like at the same spot. So it, yeah, I think they just ran out of spots. But you're right; I wouldn't be shocked if they get out at some point either. Yeah, there's just so many cuttable names here. Yep. Speaking of cuttable names, um, lots and lots of pitchers who, you know. I'm sure their moms can tell the difference between all of them, uh, <laughs> but most of us can't. Uh, there's just not a lot separating a lot of these guys. Um, but as, as Chad Jennings uh, noted in his athletic piece, uh, great read, by the way, uh, 20 things that he kind of was talking about for getting ready for the season. He notes there are 19 healthy pitchers in camp and likely room for 16, maybe or 15, maybe 16 of these guys. Assuming the most established pitchers make the team, he says, that seems to leave room for four of these eight. Matt Hall, Chris Mazza, Jeffrey Springs, Josh Osich, Phillips Valdez, Kyle Hart, Robinson Lair, and Zach Godley. So I think we both are in agreement that Zach Godley is going to be part of this team. Um, They wouldn't have really brought him in uh, elsewise. Who do you think are the other three from this grouping? that end up making the team? Uh, Matt Hall, Chris Mazza, and Josh Osich would be the other three that I think are going to make it. Okay. Matt Hall has been having a pretty good summer camp here, this 2.0. Um, so I think he's kind of jumped up on the, I guess you would call it a depth chart of relievers with his performance. So I think he's going to end up making it. Who's this, um, Matt Hall, you said? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Matt Hall. Yeah. Uh, Osich was a guy that, Hyam uh, Bloom added and is a lefty, and they don't have a lot of. So I think he's going to make it. 
Um, and then your guy, Chris Mazza, I think is going to be the other one. Yeah, I like Mazza. Um, definitely he's been a guy who's intrigued me. I agree with you on Hall. Um, yeah, so for me, I would go Hall, Mazza, Osich. I'm a little... Uh, I'm honestly a little torn between I, – I agree with you 100% on Hall. So I think Hall and Godley are locks. It's definitely going to be one of the two lefties in Springs or Osage. I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to go Hall, Godley, uh, Springs, and Osage and leave Maza off just to give them an additional lefty, especially because Josh Taylor, a lefty, and Darwins and Hernandez, a lefty are both not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Yeah, that's a good point. They definitely could. Yeah. But, you know, this group, I think, kind of uh, shows the point that we've been talking about. Like, these guys are similar in a lot of ways. There's not a tremendous amount of difference between Springs and Osage or Maza and Hall or these types of guys. And even Kyle Hart, I think you could argue, is, like, fairly similar to those, those players. So let's get to opening day roster projections. Um, at Over the Monster, Matt just ran his. Uh, he put this up yesterday uh, for catchers. He has Christian Vasquez, uh, Jonathan Lucroy, Kevin Plowecki. I know that in the past, Keaton, you've been on record as saying you think they're only going to carry two from the jump. Have you changed your tune on that, or are you still on board with the fact that they're probably going to uh, carry an extra pitcher and get rid of one of these catchers. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I think eventually it'll happen with starting out with 30 guys. I think all three of them are going to work um, to begin. But once they get to the first round of cuts, I think one of them is going to be gone. Um, I know that uh, Luke Croy, and, well, really all three of them, can also play first. Uh, and give them some kind of innings off of catcher, but I don't. They already kind of have a platoon there. I don't know if they would want to go to like add a third platoon. Um, and just given the state of the pitching, they need a pitcher more than they need a catcher. Right. So I think um, it'll probably start with all three of them, but then quickly one of them's going to be gone. Yeah, I think so too. I think by the time they cut down to 26 or maybe even 28, um, they get rid of one of these guys. I don't know who it's going to be. I really don't. Um, well, it's not th- going to be Vasquez. No, it's not going to be Vasquez. It's really <laughs> going to depend on how Lucroy looks. I think Lucroy, with his past, still has the upside. And as Matt has noted on here, 
you know, he, he did get the offseason surgery um, to see if, you know, that maybe helps him offensively. Um, but there's still so many questions there. So, yeah, I, I think we're, we're on the same page with that group. Infielders might be the, well, infielders and outfielders seem to be pretty obvious player position groups here. Um, Matt has projected Mitch Moreland, Michael Chavis, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, Jose Peraza, Suwe Lin, and Jonathan Arose. Um, the only kind of X factors here that I can think about kind of inserting themselves, per- potentially Jairo Munoz or uh, Bobby Dalbeck, but I don't think that either of those guys are going to push any of these guys out, at least at the beginning of the season. What's your take on that? Yeah, same. I mean, I guess... Uh, well, Araz needs to stay on the team or get sent back to, what was it, Houston, where yeah. he came from. Um, maybe Dahlbach could push Sue Lin, but it's, he's pretty versatile, so I don't think they would want to get rid of it. it. just, yeah, it seems like it'd be a tough path. Yeah, I could see a point in the year where Sue Lin gets caught for one of these two guys. Um, I just don't think it's going to be right now. Yeah. Uh, Outfielders. This is very locked in. Uh, Andrew Benintendi, Jackie Bradley Jr., Alex Verdugo are your starters. J.D. Martinez is your starter at DH. Uh, Probably won't see the outfield, hopefully. And then Kevin Pillar, um, who can play any of those positions admirably. Um, No no issues with that, right? Nope. Starting pitcher, Nathan Eovaldi, Martin Perez, Zach Godley, Ryan Weber, Brian Johnson... Uh, we had talked about this before, Keaton, me and you, uh, Brian Johnson, uh, doing well enough to kind of potentially wedge his way into this rotation. It seems like that's going to happen. Any changes to this group, or is this what you see them going into the year with? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess we have almost two weeks for Erod to ramp up, but I don't think that's enough time since he's basically been missing the entire camp. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be there for opening day so i think this is the five you got uh we actually only have five days one two three four five yeah so this is definitely not enough time (laughs) yeah 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 um relief pitchers uh this is who matt has he has 10 relief pitchers being carried uh so 15 total pitchers brandon workman matt barnes marcus walden ryan brazier austin bryce heath hembry uh colton brewer I think those are kind of the obvious choices. And then he has Jeffrey Springs, Josh, Josh Osich, which is a name I'm going to have trouble saying all year, <laughs> and Matt Hall. Uh, do you agree with this group, or would you change some things? I know we talked about it briefly before. Um, he's got Hall and Osich. He doesn't have Maza. Would you swap Maza for any of these guys? <clears throat> I'm just done with Hembry. So I'm so done with Hembry. <laughs> I'd be fine if he wasn't there. I yeah. Would, yeah. Put uh, put Maza in there for Hembry. Unfortunately, <laughs> it just seems like Hembry is a lock, and he's being talked about as part yeah. of this established group with Workman, Barnes, Walden, Brazier. I don't get it. Um, do I. I don't think Hembry is a good player uh, or deserving of that, um, but. You know, here we are. Here we are rolling with Hembry. And the thing that sucks about Hembry, too, is that, like, Hembry never pitches more than one inning. So 
you he lacks the versatility of a lot of these other players. We've seen Ryan Brazier go more than one. We've seen Marcus Walden do it all the time. Colton Brewer does it all the time. Hall can do it. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> Embry's not that good. He is not. No. I... I yearn for the days where we no longer have to talk about Henry. But <laughs> uh, I, I mean, no, I don't think there. I would really chop up. I mean, the the relief pitching is really kind of like Exhibit A of here's a bunch of guys who are all the same. Just pick them out of a hat and throw them on the roster. So I really don't really have any big issues with it. Just <laughs> other than Henry, <laughs> rather see somebody else. Yeah. Um, but like Brewer, Springs, Osha Tall. I mean, we could kind of just throw anybody in there at that point. So, and I think no it issues. is interesting that Matt has the two lefties subbing in there um, while Taylor and Darwin's in or out too. Yeah, which seems like a realistic possibility. So, yeah. e- even though uh, we're not thrilled about it, I, I do think that Matt has kind of nailed the likelihood of those players being there. Yep. All right. Enough opening day roster talk. Um, let's talk a little bit about the division. You and Matt talked about this. You kind of gave your power rankings of the division. Um, and I wanted to hit on not only my own power rankings for the division, but also a bit of news about the Toronto Blue Jays. The Toronto Blue Jays have actually been told by the Canadian government that they are not cleared to play games in Toronto, which means that they are going to have to find a new home I know there's been some talk about the New Hampshire site where the Fisher Cats play. There's been some talk about uh, Florida, but Florida's a mess right now. It seems like New Hampshire might be the best possible landing spot for the Blue Jays in a situation that is pretty shitty for them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Buffalo has also been mentioned, but um, there have been kind of a lot of reports that the AAA stadium there in Buffalo is not in great shape. Oh, like everything in Uh, Buffalo? (laughs) <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> so they may opt to go for somewhere else which apparently i guess the next best landing spot is new hampshire which i initially thought was going to be weird um but with no fans in the stands it's not going to make a difference but pretty interesting to see like a major league team playing like actual games at a double a field that actually would be kind of fun yeah i agree that would be awesome uh the only thing that sucks is we were talking about this before we got on the air is that there's no fans and i'm gonna have to know that the toronto blue jays a major league baseball team are playing (laughs) in new hampshire not like two hours from my house and i can't go watch them um which is gonna gonna be a bummer yep all right so keaton you did power rankings with matt on the division uh how did you rank these guys from Worst to first. Worst, um, we were in complete agreement that the bottom three is Baltimore, Miami, and Toronto. Uh, and this, that ended up being pretty much all that we agreed on in our power rankings, which is kind of funny. Um, seventh, I had Boston. Okay. Uh, then sixth, I had Philly. Then I had the Mets at fifth. And then the, uh, the top four, kind of an interior of their own. Atlanta, New York, Washington, and Tampa Bay at number one. Okay. All right. I'm going to start at the bottom for mine. Um, For me, 
I agree with you, Keaton. The Baltimore Orioles are the worst team in this division. Um, and, and the reason why I say that is because Baltimore has no pitching aside from John Means, who I'm not even convinced is very good. They have and two actually, interesting. Yeah, go ahead. Means just got a, a case of dead arm. Oh. He's not going to be pitching the rest of the week. And so it's as a, a real good shot to not be ready for opening day. Ah, man, what a blow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, Baltimore probably likes that because they're in the draft pick business right now. Yeah. Um, I do think Baltimore has an interesting reliever in Hunter Harvey, who I think maybe locks down that closer role this year. They're really going to miss, though, Trey Mancini um, for this season. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm kind of interested to watch Austin Hayes for them. Uh, I know you and I both really like Renato Nunez, who's going to be their DH. Um, but other than that, there's not a ton of major league pieces of interest for them right now. I'm psyched about a lot of their young arms. Like I love DL Hall and, and Grayson Rodriguez, but I don't see any of those guys coming up and getting time this year. No, I don't either. Um, moving forward... Um, to my next worst team. I also have the Miami Marlins. But I think that the Marlins actually have an outside shot this year of finishing higher than second to last in this division. If you look at their lineup right now, Jonathan VR at the top, who is a horrible defender, but an interesting baseball player. Brian Anderson after him, who's actually a pretty decent bat. Corey Dickerson, who's had some really good years. Jesus Aguilar, who I think could be cut if he doesn't perform, but behind him is a guy who's ready in Luan Diaz, who I think could be a good player really soon. Isan Diaz is actually pretty good. Garrett Cooper down there in the lineup. And then they have some really interesting arms in Sandy Alcantara, Caleb Smith, Pablo Lopez. Um, There are some pieces here, and the farm system for the Miami Marlins is actually really good. It is, and I'm actually kind of expecting uh, Sixto Sanchez to get some run, which will be fun to watch with that fastball, and hopefully he can remain a starter and remain healthy. They have a lot of interesting pieces, but not enough to make the overall squad super interesting or uh, effective at winning baseball games. Yeah, I agree. Um, my third worst team, I am with you again, Keaton, Toronto. Um, I love Toronto's lineup of Bo and Biggio, Lourdes Goriel, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, I love Shaw, Grichuk, T. Oscar a little bit less because those are all big K percentage guys. Uh, I think Danny Jansen can take a step forward this year. I love Hunjin Ryu, and I love Matt Shoemaker as interesting pitchers. Tanner Houck is fine. I actually prefer Toronto's pitching to the Red Sox significantly, and they have a great closer in Ken Giles. Let me just say this, Keaton. It would not shock me with the Red Sox pitching issues if Toronto ends up finishing ahead of the Red Sox. Wouldn't shock me either. I said that back in April when there was still a full season ahead of us. Yeah, and... uh, I think with with the Red Sox pitching woes being worse now than they even were then, um, I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. a little bit on board with that. Um, there's so much variance in this group, right? So I, I think the Red Sox lineup is clearly better than Toronto's yeah. lineup. 
Um, and I think the Red Sox bullpen uh, is better than Toronto's as a whole. Um, I think Toronto's is better at the very top with Ken Giles, but I think that, you know, the Red Sox have a lot of really interesting pieces, but man, the rotation for the Sox is just horrendous. Um, Eddie versus Ryu, I'd take Ryu, I think, even now. Um, And then the rest of the pieces for them are just better, uh, unless Eovaldi has a great season. Yep, and when Matt and I were doing this on the pod, we kind of had them both, both, or all ten of these teams broken out into three tiers. We had the bottom three, the middle four, and the top four. And we both agreed that Toronto was the most likely out of any team to jump up a tier. Yeah, I actually have the bottom two teams in their own tier in Baltimore and Miami. And I have Toronto in the Boston, Philly, uh, and some other teams tier here. Um, So next I have the Boston Red Sox. I won't elaborate on them because that's what we do on this podcast. Um, And then I have both Philadelphia and the Mets. Man, I'm like lockstep with you. I was going to say, we got to say... That's that's funny because Matt and I, after the bottom three, didn't agree on any. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I I really like Philly this year um, for a couple of reasons. So Andrew McCutcheon being healthy, um, he's in his his age 33 season. I think people forget that Andrew McCutcheon was on pace to have a monster season before he hurt his knee last year. Um, he's far from done, even at his age right now. His plate discipline is still among the best in the entire league. Um, he can still run a little bit. He still gets to his power. I love Kutch in that park. I'm expecting huge things. I love Harper. Um, Hoskins I'm interested in because he underwent a swing change this past year. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that he can get to more of his power. Um, JT Real Muto is always great. Didi Gregorius, I could see kind of coming back. Um, and then Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler at the top of that rotation is really interesting. However, the back end of that rotation with Arietta Velasquez and Eflin, not so hot. And the bullpen after Hector Neris is pretty rough uh, for Miami. So I don't like them quite as much as the Mets. Is that kind of why you picked the Mets over them as well? Yeah, it's. I also... <laughs> the Mets outfield has a number of injury history, and same with the pitchers. Um, I like the Mets rotation a slightly better than Phillies, and I don't think Edwin Diaz is going to be as bad as he was last year. That was just such an epic fall-off from what he was doing in Seattle. Um, but I also really like a healthy Conforto and really like a healthy Nimmo. Um, and Cespedes. And like, yeah, and Cespedes too. Need to see him out there. Yeah. Man, it's been too long. Um, Cespedes has been swinging a pretty hot bat in, in whatever, summer camp. Yeah, that's really good to see. All of baseball is better with Cespedes on the field. I agree. He's a really exciting player. Um, I think the Mets have one of the better bullpens in the league. Um, if everything breaks right. They have Edwin Diaz, Batanza, Seth Lugo, Juris Familia, um, and then some of their middle guys like Justin Wilson and, and Robert Jesselman um, have had pretty good seasons in the past. Their rotation, while it's not flashy after Jacob DeGrom, is super steady in Stroman, 
Porcello, Mats, um, those guys are pretty solid. Michael Waka, we've seen flashes from in the past. I like their lineup less than Philly. I actually like their lineup less than I like Toronto's, Boston's, or Philly's. Uh, and I think this could be the thing that holds them back. I love McNeil and Alonzo. I like J.D. Davis. I like Conforto. I just think there's a significant amount of risk in this lineup. Like if Ahmad Rosario takes a step back, if Dom Smith isn't good, if Robinson Cano shows that he's super old, if Nimmo gets hurt again, um, there's a lot of question marks in that lineup. But again, if that lineup performs as it's expected to, all of a sudden we could be talking about the Mets taking a jump into the top tier of this division. Yep, I can definitely see that too. Okay, here's where things get interesting. Um, I have the Atlanta Braves fourth, and I know that Matt had them significantly higher. I know that you had them fourth. Uh, Again, Keaton, we are lockstep (laughs) here. Um, Let me just tell you why I'm hesitant about these guys. Uh, The Atlanta Braves... Rob, Ron Acuna came into camp a little heavy this year, which is a little bit worrying to me. It'll probably go away. Freddie Freeman having the COVID stuff was super scary because it hit him like a ton of bricks. I'm yeah. a little worried about him being ready for the season. I think he'll probably be ready for opening day, but I'm still a little bit worried about that. I love Albies and Ozuna, but the rest of that lineup, Darno, not interesting. Ender Inciarte, not interesting. Austin Riley, I actively don't like. Camargo, not interesting. I do think uh, Dansby Swanson is super interesting, and I'm looking for him to have a breakout. I love the pitching in Soroka, Freed, um, but I don't like Newcomb and right at the back end in Fulte. I just don't know what you're going to get from him. And then in the bullpen, I think it's a very deep unit um, of Melanson, Green, Luke Jackson, Chris Martin, Darren O'Day. Any of those guys could potentially be really good options. Uh, towards the back end, but I just think that all things considered, they just don't have the firepower to break into the top three of this division. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I could see the Mets finishing ahead of them. Um, if the Mets, if both the Mets and Atlanta reach 90% approximations of what they can be, I like the Mets better. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I don't think there's much that separates them other than just the consistent health risks of everybody on the entire Mets roster. Yeah, I agree. All right, so, Keaton, we're going to have our first difference. Finally. Uh, I have the Washington Nationals as the third best team in this division. And I guess the big reason for me, I love Trey Turner at the top. Um, Adam Eaton and Starlin Castro – I like, I don't love either player. I think Juan Soto is amazing. He's my favorite player in the league. Um, Non-Xander division. (laughs) Howie Kendrick, great bat. Not sure he can replicate it at 37 years old. Eric Thames, given a big role in the past, he hasn't done extremely well with that. Um, And I'm not huge on Victor Robles, Jan Gomes, or Carter Keboom right now. I think Robles and Keboom could be those players in the future. That being said, I love this rotation of Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. There's no top three in the league I'd rather have than those three. Um, but Annabelle Sanchez and Eric Fetty in the back end doesn't 
uh, inspire me with confidence. And then the bullpen is sort of a mess uh, in Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle, and Will Harris at the top. I don't think either of those three guys is particularly dominant. And then if you get past that, there are some super uninteresting guys at the back end that I'm not psyched about. That's fair. I mean, mainly why I had Washington over New York was because, I mean, you you hit on it with the rotation. Um, That top three is just so much better. I don't think there's, I mean, there's there's a gap. But I don't think it's a huge gap between the lineups. I think they're both really productive lineups. But just the, the starting rotation of Washington, I just think, is so much better. Yeah, I totally agree. That starting rotation, not only is it like one of the best in all of baseball, if not the best, but I love that Washington went out and got those guys. They paid big money for both Scherzer and Corbin, and then they re-upped Strasburg. And all of those guys have performed exactly as they were supposed to. So smart free agent decisions actually paying off for that team. Yeah. Um, In second place, I have the Tampa Bay Rays um, and I have the Yankees first, obviously. I have these two teams as a coin flip. And I know that when you and Matt were talking about this, one of Matt's things was that he really likes the Yankees starting pitching. I don't like the Yankees starting pitching. Uh, And I, I, I very much agree with you on that, that Tampa Bay's pitching is way better. Um, Tampa Bay's Charlie Morton, Blake Snell, Tyler Glass now, and the ability for them to mix and match with Ryan Yarborough and Trevor Richards at the back end with any of these just ridiculously good options that they have. I mean, even going down to guys like Banda and and Beeks to go long and then Oliver Drake and, you know, any of these guys, man, they're just... They're nasty. The pitching is sick. Uh, I don't think the Yankees pitching even compares to them. No. Maybe at the very top because Garrett Cole is arguably the best pitcher in the game at the moment. Um, I know you have something to say about DeGrom, but um, certainly he's top two. Yeah, I think he's on par. It's hard to to have somebody, you know, who's that good. Um, You know, there's only two top two pitchers, so. Yeah, somewhere. But beyond that, like, rotation as a whole, I don't think it's even close. No, I don't either. Um, and and I could also see a scenario where Charlie Morton or Blake Snell in a 60-game season pitches better than Garrett Cole. Yeah, could. Yeah. I mean, those two guys are just absolutely filthy when they're on. The thing that has me um, a little bit more down on the Rays – than the Yankees is the Yankees lineup is looking healthier by the day. And that means that boppers like Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron judge and Luke Voigt, who was awesome before he got hurt last year are all looking to be part of that lineup. And I just don't think that a lineup of Tetsugo Diaz, G-Man Choi, Hunter Renfro, like a bunch of guys who are good, but not great compares to that lineup even with the pitching being what it is. And I know that they're going to do a great job of mixing and matching those guys and, and milking platoon splits from, from, from these, this group and that defensively they'll play really well, but I just don't think that they, they have what it takes uh, punch wise to compete with the Yankees. Yeah, I think, um, I guess I wouldn't fight you too hard on that. I just think that while unspectacular, um, 
Tampa Bay just has so much consistent depth at every position that um, while not shiny, like they're going to get contributions from the entire lineup. Uh, and the Yankees certainly has more punch, but it has a wider range of outcomes, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, because I like Tampa Bay's pitching more, and I think their lineup will be more consistent, I went with them over the Yankees. But I really could see kind of a, a coin flip for the two at the top. Yeah, and I think Matt had it as a pretty big gap between those two, listening to you guys talk about it. Yeah, um, he had the Braves in between them. Yeah, and I just don't see that. Like, I think, I I truly think it's a 51% to 49% edge for me, uh, Yankees over Tampa Bay, and it's definitely on the lineup. So let me just say this. If LeMahieu or Judge or Stanton or Sanchez or Voight, any one of those guys gets hurt, I I think it's advantage Tampa Bay. I think it's that close because I'm expecting very little out of James Paxton, whose velocity has been down in camp um, and who's coming off of a major surgery. Tanaka just got wailed in the head. I mean, I don't know what to expect out of him, and he's been inconsistent in the regular season. Uh, I know he's been a great postseason pitcher. J.A. Happ and Jordan Montgomery, I don't know what to expect. I like Montgomery. I don't really like Happ at all. Um the rotation is just not even close. The bullpen's filthy. The lineup's filthy. So that makes me think that the the Yankees can kind of cover up for a lot of those issues that they might have in that starting rotation um, using their bullpen arms effectively, and they've been great at that in the past. But um, would not shock me to see Tampa Bay take this thing. Nope. Same. All right. Well, that basically wraps it up, Keaton. I'm... I'm, I'm excited that we are uh, pretty much the same in our in our rankings. Um, how close, let me ask you this, though, before we get out of here. How close did you have Washington to the top uh, team, uh, Tampa Bay? Is, that, is, is it kind of a coin flip between those three for you, Washington, Tampa Bay, New York? Because um, you had Washington yeah. in between them. I did, yeah. I just, I mean, their pitching is just so good. Yeah. And I think Carter Kaboom is going to have a good year prospect that I like. Adam Eaton, I think, is underrated. I like him a lot. And especially, like, him turning over the lineup um, to Trey Turner or hitting ahead of Trey Turner. I I really like that one-two combo at the top. Uh, Even though Rendon isn't there, I still think it is just a really fun lineup. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be awesome. We got baseball back. We're psyched about it. Uh, We hope you did enjoy the podcast today. If you did, please go on anywhere you listen to the podcast, rate and review us. Uh, We always appreciate a good five-star review. Um, And uh, also follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at SpokenKeats. You can follow me at at DevJake. You can follow the Over the Monster account at at OverTheMonster. And we will be with you next week at this same time. Thanks very much. And cheap plug. Uh, now that we actually have baseball back, Shelly and I will be doing a uh, couple times a week uh, Red Sox pre-cap where we'll recap every series uh, in about 20, 25 minutes. Nice quick pod. We'll catch you up on everything that happened from the series and look forward to the next one. Now that we actually have baseball, we can announce it. So we were almost going to announce it in April and then everything stopped. So <laughs> very excited for that. That's going to be awesome to listen to you and Shelly do that. So You'll have to tune in. Um, It's going to be on the same exact feed as this one, so you don't have to do anything to listen to it.
except for just click listen. Yeah. Awesome. We'll be with you next time. <laughs>